Welcome to Who's to Blame, the podcast, episode 523. And I'm your host, Dre Montez. We're being brought to you by title sponsor, St. Louis Organics. Please do yourself a favor and visit our website at www.dremontez.com. Well, it has been a lot going on in the world of sports, entertainment, lifestyle, relationships, whatever it may be. There has been a decent challenge out there for someone that is going through it, trying to get through it, understand what it's all about. If it's your first time tuning in, thank you so much. You can follow us on our social media platforms. We're page on Facebook, Who's to Blame? Also, Twitter at W2B Dre Montez and YouTube Dre Montez and TikTok Dre Montez 63. You can also follow our show, Montez at Midday, which will be returning to your live streaming feed starting in September. So we're looking forward to that. And now we're just giving you our podcast each and every week. And my, oh my, have things been interesting for sure. If you're celebrating a birthday today, happy birthday to you. If you're celebrating an anniversary, happy anniversary to you. And more importantly, for all my veterans out there, past and present, and ones that are serving today, continue to do such great work as I give a shout out to all my military personnel as much as I can, being a former Navy man that self. We got some interesting things we want to talk about today on the show. And baseball season is finally getting where we need it to be. NBA is in a state of shock, as well as NHL hockey. And getting prepared for the WNBA season as well to understanding what's going on with these NIL deals and moving forward with the upcoming college football season. So I'm stoked on so many levels when it comes to getting prepared for the game itself. But before we get into the, all the deep, serious discussions. A few things have been wandering around in my head. You know, when when we go to funerals, we have the conversation to ourselves or with people around us how this thing is supposed to go, how we would like it to go. And then reality comes into place when you about two hours after a funeral or the next day. You start to make a decision on changes you want to make, changes you want to see in others, and things you want to do. You really look at the bucket list, the to-do list, and your path and progressions. And we do that all the time. There's another thing that I think that we do as individuals more than anything. When we're young, we have this list and this idea of how things are supposed to be. Then as we start getting older, we figure out, you know, maybe it's not supposed to be that way. Then you get older, there's still some thoughts and conversations. But by the time you get in your 40s or 50s, we all have had this thought of going somewhere and living alone, whether it be on a cabin or an island. We've all thought about having that type of vision or possibly even giving it a try. And my question is, who's to blame for that? Why do we all go through that of having that remote idea of being alone? I'm going to go to this remote. I'm going to live in the woods for 10 years. I don't want nobody around me. I want just a place to myself where I can think and be me and be creative and live off the ground. We all go through that. Now, what is that call that we go through when that happens? What is that call? 
And I think in the sports world, it happens when they have the experience of the cheering is so loud they can't hear themselves. And they get to have like an out-of-body experience. We know what, have, what has happened to athletes when they get money, when they finally become attractive, when they leave the nest and there's money involved. Decisions are always not the best ones that they make. I don't care the age, race, color, or religion, or your sex. Everyone has been down that path when it comes to the professional athlete or the Hollywood. Everybody has had a story to tell. Some have made the media, some have not. But I'm quite sure we all have a story to tell. We all have one of those type of stories. It's like the same thing is going on with that. We know the John Moran situation, but also on the same side of that, we have taken losing to a whole different point in the world of sports. We go to ridicule. We go to teasing. We go to minimizing. We go to picking on people. Have you ever lost? Have you ever been fired from a job? Did you bounce back? Did you get a better job? Did you make the situation better or worse? And it's hard to think that being fans of sports, being in fan in favor of something we have no control over, the outcome of a professional athlete's career, the outcome of a game. It's fun guessing what's going to happen. Who's going to be great? Who's going to be a bust? All those things are fun. But in the end, the way we handled this past, I say two years, when athletes don't perform up to our standards or your standards, there's a problem with the athlete. We don't understand what's going on in the home life, what's going on in a family circle. We don't, we don't understand things like that. It's like we're not supposed to care about the athlete anything that's outside of them playing their particular sport. We're not supposed to care. And I think that's unfair. I think that's unfair for us to do that as sports fans, for sure. All right, let's get it in. Major League Baseball has had an issue this year. That is it being petty? Has it always been happening? Are you saying finally? I'm talking about Major League Baseball pitching, how sticky it has become with predominantly well-known house-known pitchers have been caught with a very sticky substance on their hands. There's been a few rejections, no appeals. The degree of difficulty to win in baseball and to compete and bring it for his entertainment and to maintain the professionalism of the game and also get it to grow there's going to be some cheating. There's going to be some manipulation going on. But I think this is opening up Pandora's box even bigger on what's going on in Major League Baseball when it comes to the pitching situation. It has not been the best pitching this year in Major League Baseball. Some say it's the time clock, the pitch clock. Others say they don't put me on a pitch count. Just let us play the game. You should have kept it at nine innings. Well, I... As a fan of the game, I kind of like where the game is at right now for the pace of the game. Now, the manipulation of the game. That has also been going on since the beginning of time, whether it's sign language, hand signals, trash cans, lifesavers, or the sticky situation of too much on your hand. There has been manipulation in baseball. And who's to blame for this? 
Many point to the fact getting in bed with the gambling world, that that has put more pressure on Major League Baseball. I mean, Major League Baseball tracks everything, run differential, the rotation in your curveball. <laughs> I mean, there's so much data involved in baseball that it has made it very difficult for you to be a pitcher and to pay attention to your own data within your team they give you about yourself. Let alone now you have these gaming casinos now that have also data to go with that, and your name is affiliated with that. Your team is affiliated with that. That makes you want to play better, do things that are not becoming of an athlete today, coach to say something that's foul, change up the pitching rotation at the last minute. Everything has been tried and attempted in baseball. But everything that they're trying is kind of coming back to its old natural form of what we call, I knew they were cheating. I guess time will tell. And that's the funny thing of baseball. We don't find out much at the time that these players are playing. We find out years later after their career, usually five plus years or more. And one former Major League Baseball player and Cardinal. Mr. Will the Thrill Clark. Will Clark has been sharing some amazing stories about his baseball playing career, the do's and don'ts, which he knew what was going to happen, what was considered Bush League then, watching games today, his reaction on certain plays, the bat flip. Is the bat flip still offensive? They put costumes on now. I think they're 13 Major League ball clubs. They have home run rituals with a costume or a prop. I mean, baseball has changed, and and that's the thing that we don't like. Nobody likes change. Look at everything. Look at everything you into, from music to television. When it changed, nobody liked it. Nobody liked it at all. It has taken a minute to get where we're at to understand the bat flip. But the one story Will Clark told, he was coming up to bat against Dennis Martinez, former major league pitcher with the Montreal Expos, and Gary Clark was the catcher. And I guess Dave Martinez, by accident, well, not accident, Will Clark kind of peeked his eyes down and saw the count for the pitch to be coming. And he crushes this ball, hits it out. And Dennis Martinez saw it. And Gary Clark's like, what the hell was that, man? And uh, he's like, you know we're going to hit you the next time you come up to bat. And, of course, they hit him. And he gets the first base and said, well, that that's baseball. That, that was how baseball was played then. You can't do that today. No way. We know it as fans of the day what's coming next when certain Bush League acts, quote, unquote, are done or plays and retaliation are done. We know what's coming. Because we know baseball players don't forget nothing. They're like elephants. They don't forget nothing. Whatever you did to them in Little League, travel ball, uh, Myers, they're going to remember it. <laughs> they're definitely going to remember it for sure. And I think another thing that I, I see is going on is the pressure of the responsibility of today's young kids, young athletes, young professionals, young thrill seekers in the entertainment industry. The responsibility in the age has shifted drastically. You look at the age of 18 to 21 when you were 18 to 21 and look how responsibility was dealt about for you. And we're going to take that to 21 
and up. Those two age brackets right there, totally treated totally different today than when you or I were 18 versus 21. If you're a professional athlete, when I was 18 years old, they expect you to go in there like you were 25, 30 years old. Have some common sense, have some respect, have some intelligence about you. And now we're looking to put programs in front of that, why they're not what they should be based on what we think they should be at. And I don't think that's fair. We expect 18 to 21 year old a day to act the way we act. We were 18 to 21. That's, that's fair. That's, that's not, I'm sorry. That's unfair. A 21 year old a day versus a 21 year old when you were 21, totally different, totally different. The responsibility, the mindset, but they're still 21. Again, that word change has come up to play. Everything has changed. We didn't have the internet when we were 18. We have it the way it is now. The intentions of the internet. Boy, oh boy, that's 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 a deep rabbit hole discussion there. It has been manipulated, misused, and abused since its creation. But the unfair judgment that is given to 18 and up and 21 and up, I don't like where it's headed. I don't want to use the phrase that we're babying them too much, but at the same time, look at the tools that we're giving them before they turn 18. Look at the tools we're giving them before they turn 21. Are the tools really setting it up properly for the future, for the path that they're on? I had this discussion yesterday with a good friend of mine on what's going on with the educational system, how everything is not there anymore. I come out of predominantly black high school. There's no band, no football team. Homecoming is like a picnic of 10 people now. There's no public high league anymore. It's like there's a thirst out there and it's not being granted. So I said, I, why don't everybody just get homeschooled and everybody go private with their own sports and activities groups? I think that would probably be the best thing ever. If you're taking everything away from the kids that they need to excel, what's the sense of them going into the institution? Who's to blame? Well, as a fan of women's sports, I love seeing the the growth of women's softball, college and professional. I love the growth the past four years that women's college basketball has done, especially the last two years. All this has come about on how the women have been treated ever since the bubble incident. When we saw how the men were set up versus how the women were set up. It was downright fucking embarrassing. Now we done found out we knew the pay was different. But the way they travel, oh my goodness. That is a huge difference the way the men travel in the NBA versus the women in the WNBA. Now the WNBA has taken another page from these women. So they're saying there are not enough teams. So all these players that we signed from 2018 to up to last year's draft, we probably don't have a home for them. So these women who were top draft picks don't have a WNBA team because they're saying they're not enough teams and rosters can't be that big. What can be done, WNBA? You say, nobody says, most ads and most 
men-dominated shows, they make fun of the WNBA attendance. But the WNBA has had some sellouts. They had a preseason sellout this year. A preseason sellout. The WNBA is getting the fan base it needs. To me, I think it needs more support. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it one more time. I think the WNBA needs more support from women. I'm going to say it right there. It needs more support from women. It should be groves, rows and groves and busloads of women and little girls going to WNBA games. The same way they go to a Taylor Swift concert. It should be the same way every damn game. Everyone. You know how many little kids go to football games by the busload? By the, I'm talking little kids who one day may want to do this. They want to get a good look at this. Hands on up close. Here you go. You got all these clubs out there, all these churches and groups that get together that rent these buses out, get tickets to these kids. Why the WNBA can't do that a little bit more? If they are doing it, I need to see it more. Share it across the board. But what can be done to help the WNBA? And who's to blame for this? Was it the first initial contract that was done with the WNBA when the NBA said, okay, we're going to create you? But in the years the WNBA has been around, do you see it going up? No room for improvement or five years left in this league? There is room for improvement and growth in the WNBA if they get the right people. Every time there's a sports group put together, I understand you need people that understand money, understand dollar figures. But when it comes to the actual sport, you do need those people as well involved in that process of putting together a partnership or a sports group to purchase a sports franchise. That's what I have to say. Speaking of a franchise that's winning all over the place, Apple TV, Ted Lasso. I've talked about this show many, many times, but I think this season of the show, they've hit more on things that are going on right now. How to deal with them. What do you need? What what can be done? How are you coping with this? How is this really affecting you? What does it mean to talk to somebody? What does it mean to have somebody listen to you without saying a fucking word back and you're feeling good? To understand the true meaning of camaraderie, teamwork, and a coach that understands his players and coaches that want to learn from their players and vice versa. You see all of that in this show, the family life, dealing with the fact You're in another country. You're in another country missing your kid. That has to be something. When them kids at that impressionable age, you you know that molding age, I'm telling you, you can't get it out of your head. Then the injury portion. How do you deal with an injury? You're afraid. First time you've ever been hurt, it's, it's, it's a brutal injury. First time you've ever been hurt, and it's a brutal injury. You're having flashbacks of what happened. Now you're taking precautions to never make that mistake, and you could do the you can injure yourself doing that. That's a phobia. The fact that you're getting older, you can't move the way you used to move. You can't give the sport what you want to give the sport back. But you never thought that would happen to you when it did happen, and you don't have an outlet. You're not frustrated. 
you're just to the point where I thought I had more time. And then you figure out how to utilize what you gave to the game from a coaching perspective. That's what I love about this show. Everybody has doubt in themselves, but there's always somebody right there to pick you up. That's called a team, team, uh, a teammate. That's what that's called. When you lose, you lose the team. When you figure it out in the middle of the game how to win and you all know it at the same time, that is a beautiful thing in that locker room. When you know a player is hurting from outside of the game, you got to figure out how to build him or her back up without disrespecting them. But the show Ted Lasso, I'm telling you, if you have not watched it, do yourself a favor and check it out for sure. (laughs) It is something else, but check it out for sure. I want to thank you again for tuning into today's podcast of Who's to Blame, episode 523. It was fun talking to you. And as I always say, two wrongs don't make a right, they make a left turn. In the words of my great-grandpappy, you guys have a great day and enjoy. And thank you for tuning into the show. Peace.